Welcome to the Limitless Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us. We hope this message encourages you, inspires you, and helps build your faith. Enjoy the message. Today I'm going to do God Is Part 2. So I'm excited to share it uh, with y'all. But I want to ask y'all guys a question. Have you ever been in, uh, or have you ever tried to walk in a dark room, a completely dark room? Yeah. Like y'all wake up in the middle of the night and uh, you need to go to the bathroom and you like stub your toe on the bed or something. Yeah. Um, I hate that. It, l- lately, I feel like whenever I'm done, we're done for the night. Uh, that's, is that done? It's about. Yeah, unplug it? Shut yeah, you can plug it. I don't want to speak Don't hit your head. Lately, I've been, I've been doing this thing where I, I uh, leave my living room, we're done watching TV, and I'm heading to my room. And y'all, if y'all guys know me, y'all know I like smart lights, right? And I, I tell Alexa to turn off my lights. And um, this happens more often than not, and I say, Alexa, turn off the lights. And I'm about to walk into my room to whatever for the night to go to bed, and I forget like my bottle of water, or I forget, oh man, I gotta go lock the door, or I gotta go uh, close the garage. And it happens every single time, like every single time before I go to bed. And so instead of me just saying, hey, Alexa, turn the lights back on, I end up walking in the dark and just going to try to change the thermostat or going to lock in the door. I don't know if anybody's ever done, done that before, but that's first world problems right there for you. Yeah, um, but I want, my point is living in the dark or trying to live in this world without God is like walking in the dark. And if y'all guys know that we live in a dark, dark world, right? We, this world is... Um, it's a dark, dark place, and, and that's why we need God to, to lead us in our every single day, every single moment of our lives. Um, but the first point I want to give y'all guys is God is light. And we could go to 1 John 1, 5. So these points I'm going to be giving you is specifically says in the Bible that God is. And so this first point is God is light. So 1 John Chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. I like that part, the second part, where it says there is no darkness in him at all. What this means for us is that we should easily be able to distinguish darkness from light in this world. We should easily be able to, to, to see what is not of God because there's no darkness in him. So we should be easily be able to see it through the movies we watch, the shows that we watch, right? Um, the music we listen to, what is of God and what is not of God because there's no darkness in him. We should be able to see easily what relationships are right or wrong, uh, what friendships uh, and the people we associate with, what is darkness, what is light, are y'all, hearing, are y'all following what I'm saying? Yes. Um, because there's no darkness in him at all. We, we have to be very careful in that. Uh, the other night, me and Tro were watching a movie. And uh, we're usually careful with the movies we watch. But we, this movie, movie was, um, it seemed like it was harmless. And so we were watching it and we realized there was like some like demonic scenes in there. And we're like, oh, dang, like, we don't want to watch that. So we, we started fast-forwarding those parts. And then later on, another part would come up, and we fast-forwarded it. Because um, something inside me, when it came on, like, I felt it in my spirit that it wasn't of God. 
So I started, I fast forwarded it and we didn't watch it. But later on that night, like in the middle of the night, I want to say like at four in the morning, we heard this super loud bang. And I was like, man, we, we're both in the middle of a deep sleep and it woke both of us up right away and we're like, what the heck was that? It sounded like literally like a brick, like someone threw a brick in our house. And so I was getting ready to go get the gun and go out there, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you got to know that about me, huh? Um, but I was kind of scared to even go out outside of my bedroom. And um, I was like, man, is somebody in my house? Um, but we could not figure out. I went out, to, went out to the living room. I turned all the lights on. I told Alexa to turn them on. And um, I didn't find anything. There was nothing. I was like, was it the ice maker? Um, and we could not figure out what it was. So uh, I was like, maybe it was the raccoons outside. And they, they usually open our trash cans and dig into our trash. But I usually put a, a big rock on there to where they can't do that. And the next day I checked outside. And I was like, nope, that rock's still on there. They didn't move it. Um, but later on that evening, I realized before uh, in our shower, I have a, a face wash scrubber. And it literally fell out of, the, out of our shower and like it just like broke. And there's no possible way I was looking at it the way it is, like the way it is in our shower, um, our little shower organizer. There's no way it could have fallen out of there by itself. And I thought about it. I was like, I don't, I don't know if it was spiritual or not. Me and Trevor didn't know if it was spiritual or not, but we started praying over everything. <laughs> we started anointing our house and anointing our kids. Um, but my point in saying that is that the, the devil would try to creep in any way that he can into our lives. And if we're not walking in the light like we should, and we allow darkness into our lives in any way, through, like I said, movies, music, relationships, he's going to creep in. And um, so I, I want to uh, continue this. Verse 6 in that same chapter, it says, So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. And verse seven says, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So what does this mean for us? What, what is the takeaway in this? We should live in the light. Every single day we should live in the light. And you may ask, well, how, what does that look like? How do I live in the light? I'm glad you asked. Are you ready? Mark chapter 4, let's go there. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. It says, Then Jesus asked them, Would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. So the first way we could live in the light is to share your faith. Share your faith with those around you. That's what it's saying here. Jesus is saying, no one's going to light up a lamp and put it under a bed or under a basket because you want that light to light up everything else. So the first way that you can live in light is to share your faith. Now, I'm not saying to go in a street corner somewhere and um, put a big old poster board saying repent and telling people they're going to go to hell. No, don't do that. But but share your faith with those uh, those around you um, because... That could be the only time that somebody ever experiences God in their lives or ever has a chance to hear about Jesus. So I want you all to think about that. It's important for us to to share our faith with people around us. And this is so important because 
there's some Christians that neither are not in the dark or they're not living in the light. There's this gray area where a lot of Christians live. And it's the gray area of the fear of sharing their faith or the fear of offending someone. Now, now the day we live in, you got to be very careful with what you say because everybody gets offended for everything, right? So I'm not saying go over there and start offending people and start trying to debate people. No, I'm not saying that. But what are ways that we could shine our light in front of people and share our faith? Share your faith by just living right in front of them. Be careful with what comes out of your mouth. Because if you're, if you're talking the same way that people, that non-believers are talking, then how are you going to be any different? How are they going to be able to see that you're any different from them? Are y'all hearing me? Yeah. So how are they going to see that light is different than dark if we talk the same way as non-believers? Or if we act the same way as non-believers? Are y'all hearing me? Mm-hmm. So by the way you live, maybe there, there could be a situation in your life where somebody sees you and they're like, man, I see them going through something, but they still have peace walking through it. That's the way that you could shine your light in front of somebody else. That even when you don't feel like it, you still show somebody love. You still honor your parents. You still respect people around you because of the love of Christ inside of you. That's a way you could shine your light. Uh, Another way, let's continue to read in Mark 4. Verse 22 says, For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought to light. So another way we could live in the light is to expose your sin. Expose your sin. Now, I'm not saying to go on Facebook and write a big old thing how you're addicted to pornography or something like that. <laughs> but exposure, what I mean by that is, uh, is, sh- is share with somebody what you're going through. So, uh, if, there's, if there's anything, any secret sin in your life, the best thing you could do is expose it to the light. And, and the best way to do that is just to come to somebody that you trust, somebody you know that can help you, um, and share it with them. Say, hey, this is what's going on in my life, and I want to get free from it. So expose your sin. Um, I want to read you the scripture in Ephesians 5, 8. It says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. That's what I'm saying here is expose your sin. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. So it's important for us to, to not allow our sins to be hidden in the dark. And it's important because the only power that the devil has in your life is the power that you give him in the dark. So it's important to, to take that power, take that authority back from him and expose any sin in your life. And let's continue in Mark 4. Now, verse 23, it says, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. What is this? Another way we could live in the light is to listen to your convictions. It's saying anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Listen to those convictions in your life that's saying, hey, you know what? Maybe this is not a good idea. Or, hey, you know what? 
hey, maybe you should cool it. And that's, that's a big way for you to walk in the light is to listen to your convictions. I talked about this a few weeks ago about setting up convictions in your life. Uh, let's continue. Verse 24, it says, then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. What is this? This is another way you can live in the light is to walk in the word. Walk in the word of God. The word of God, the Bible says, is truth, right? So anything opposite of the word of God is a lie. So we have to, the, basically what, what the devil does is when he tempts us, he makes us believe a lie. He, he gets us to doubt God's word, which is the truth. He deceives us, and then he gets us to disobey. He gets us to doubt, deception, disobedience. And that's the way the devil works. He doesn't have any new tricks. So we have to learn to walk in the truth, to walk in his word. Many of you guys know my personal testimony. If you don't, I'm about to share a little bit of it. Y'all know that I've um, been born and raised in church, right? My parents were pastors since I was three years old. And actually, they're pastors since I was born. They were senior pastors since I was three years old. But growing up as a PK, a pastor's kid, um, yeah, y'all never heard that before, PK? Um, a lot of times us PKs have a bad rap, right? And um, it's true sometimes, a, a lot of times. But growing up in church, I always went to church. I always never missed a Sunday, never missed a Wednesday unless I was out of town. And, um, but growing up in church, I had the wrong perspective. First of all, of who, the way God sees me. I had the wrong perspective of the way I saw sin, and I had the wrong perspective of who God is. Pun intended. We're in a God is series, right? So <laughs> I had the wrong perspective, which allowed me to get into bondage of lust, of perversion, um, of different things that held me captive for a very long time. And it wasn't until... I placed these things in my life until I, I, I really saw the way God saw me. I really understood who God was. I really understood the seriousness of sin, that I was able to expose my sin. I was able to, um, to listen to, to set up convictions in my life, to listen to those convictions, and to uh, ultimately walk in his word. Um, but that's all, that's all it is. It's just a, it's, when you walk into darkness, it's you, uh, you living a lie. And it's just like physically trying to walk in, in the dark. You end up stubbing your toe in life, right? And you end up getting hurt and getting yourselves into situations that God never intended for you to, to get into. He never intended you to get hurt in that relationship. But because of spiritual darkness, you ended up leading yourself there. Or he, he never intended you to, to go into this situation or to get yourself into debt or to go into different situations that... Um, could paralyze your, your, your future, to paralyze what God has for you. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Amen. And I'm, I'm here to tell you there's nothing more liberating than living in the light, not having to hide, not, not having to, to live a double life and having to worry about if, if I'm going to get caught or, or if, what if somebody finds this out or ruining my reputation. There's nothing more freeing and liberating than walking in the light and knowing you're, you're walking in God's will for your life and walking in the purpose that he has for you. 
in John 3, 19, it says, and the judgment is based on this fact. God's light, which is Jesus, came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do, do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. See, so you living in the light's not just for you, it's for others to be able to come to God by your example. So that's the first point that I want to give you is God is light. The second point I want to give you is God is life. God is life. Um, just like some of those guys say, ball is life, right? Ball is life, bro. Um, no, God is life, literally. In John 14, 6, as Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to me, could come to the Father except through me. In Acts 3.15, it says, You killed the author of life, that's Jesus, but God raised him from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this fact. So God is literally life. There is, uh, he is the, the creator and sustainer of life. If you think about it, the grass outside, the trees, the, the animals, everything that has life, us, we are sustained by God because he is life. John, um, I'm sorry, Genesis 2-7. This is in the beginning when Adam was created. It says, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. And check this out. He breathed the breath of life. Say that with me, life, life. into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. Now, if you really think about that, we're living by God's breath. Every single one of us is breathing today because of God's life flowing through us. And it, it amazes me that the, the only reason that you're breathing today, that you woke up this morning was because of God. Because God is life. Um, it rained today, right? Some of you said it was flooding on the other side of or where Marbach. Um, but it rained today because God is life, because that's the way that He sustains everything here on this earth. That's the way that um, the earth continues to go forward. Uh, I want I want to do an example with y'all guys really quick. Everybody, I want y'all to close your eyes. Everybody, close your eyes, and I want you to imagine something. Nobody looking around, just focus, close your eyes. I want you to imagine a dry and an empty field with no, absolutely no water, absolutely no sunlight, no people around, but with skeletons and, and bones all over the place. I want you to picture dead animal carcasses there with flies and maggots all around and imagine the most horrific smell that you could think of that you can't even stand imagine a place like that now go ahead and open your eyes now that represents that place represents sin that represents sin in our lives now i want you to close your eyes one more time do it again nobody looking around and 
Now, I want you to imagine the most green field or green pasture that you could think of as far as your eyes could see. I want you to think the most beautiful spring day, the perfect weather, the sun's out with the most vibrant colors and and flowers everywhere with streams of water flowing from all over the place that you're able to drink, um, with gardens all over the place and the biggest trees you could think of with the most gigantic fruit on them. It's juicy and delicious to eat. Uh, I want you to think of people there at this place laughing and smiling and dancing. Just the most happiest place on earth. Now, open your eyes. Some of you almost fell asleep. I saw that. Y'all's heads were nodding. (laughs) But that represents the life that Jesus has given us. But I want you to think about this. How many times do we choose that first field that I was talking about? When we choose to live in sin. And we end up going to, the Bible says that sin leads to death which means there's no life, there's no Jesus. And many times in our lives, we go to live to that first field by choosing sin rather than choosing life or choosing Jesus. Are you hearing me? So God is life. John 10.10 says this, the ESV version, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Now, usually when we hear that scripture, we hear it like in an offering, right? And, and usually you hear the more abundantly part and everybody cheers, right? And they're like, yeah, like that's me, I want that. But a lot of times we skip over the first part. He came to give us life, which means that we were dead. So without him, we are dead. We need Jesus's life, amen? In order for us to live. Um, so what does this mean for us that God is life? Let's go to Psalm 146, 2. I love this verse. It says, I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. So what does this mean for us? It means that we should praise and worship the Lord. With every breath that we have, we should live with praise and worship before God. We should live with honor before him. And a lot of times we, we can't even, we can't really worship him the way that we're supposed to worship him um, because we haven't surrendered the way we're supposed to surrender. And, and we, ha- we don't see God for who he really is, that he's given us the life that he does and we take it for granted so many times. That's why it's so hard sometimes for us to lift our hands in front of people. But when you really get a revelation of who God is, that he came to give you life and that you were once dead and now you live, Man, who cares about what people think of you, right? You could lift up your hands and you could worship him in freedom. You could worship him in spirit and in truth. What else does this mean for us? It means that we should use our breath and our life for good, not for evil. Every breath that we take, every move that we make, we should live for good and not for evil. We should be, make conscious decisions every single day, not mindless decisions uh, Job 27, 3 says, As long as I live, while I have breath from God, my lips will speak no evil, and my tongue will speak no lies. That's so important. There's this experiment that I saw. Actually, there's many experiences that, that people have done with fruit or rice or food, and they'll put 
like say an apple inside of a jar or actually two slices of apples inside jars and they'll cover them and they'll label one that um, on one jar they'll put I love you on the other apple jar they'll put I hate you and they'll put them on a like a window seal and they'll do like a 21 day experiment where they the, the jar that says I love you they'll keep speaking those words like I love you you're beautiful and they speak all these words into that jar and then the next jar the one that says I hate you they speak all these bad things into it and they say, I hate you and you're ugly. And it's just all these curses over that apple jar. And it's, it, it's amazing that people have done it with water. They've done it with rice, with different kinds of foods. And it's amazing after the experiment, after the few, the, the, the weeks that they do it, the one that the positive, um, the one that has a positive um, description on there, like, I love you. It was still, it was not that bad to eat. You could still eat it. And The other one was completely rotten and black, like the rice was either black or the apple was black just because of the power of the words that they were speaking over that. Isn't that amazing? And I believe that our words carry that much power in them because we have the breath of life, of God's life flowing through us. And our tongue has the power of life or the power of death. So that's why you should choose your words carefully and choose be careful and think before you speak and think before you, you do something. Are you hearing me? Yeah. So it's important to realize that God is life. Now, the third point I want to give you, the last point, is God is love. It's a big shocker, right? First John 4, 8. It says, but anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. And I'm, I'm going to share something with you that you probably never heard before on this point. But we as human beings have love. But God is love. The very essence of who he is, is love. And he cannot change. The Bible says that he does not change. Which means that's his character. He, he is light. He is life. He is love. And he cannot change who he is. So even if he wa- tried, he couldn't hate you. you. I want to tell you something. You were created not for service, but for love. Yeah. And I want you to think about that. Why were you created? Why was mankind created? Because God already had all the angels that were serving him, that were on his throne day and night worshiping before him. He created mankind to love and to be loved. And I, I want y'all to, to really get this. Um, verse 9, we could continue with that same, First John 4, 8. Verse 9, it says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Now, this is one of my f- most favorite verses in the Bible. It says, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So now that we know that God is love, what does this mean for us? It's very simple and it's probably not what you think. Let him love you. Let him love you. A lot of people think, okay, God is love, so I have to love him. No, let him love you. 
And I'm about to tell you something you probably never heard before. Your greatest purpose in life is not to love God, but it's to let God love you. Because it's not only until you experience his love that you could actually love him back. Now, I know the greatest commandment is love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and love others as yourself. But you cannot do that until you first when you let until you first let God love you. You are hearing me, right? So this is real love. Not that you loved him, but that he loved you. First John 419 says this. We love each other because he first loved us. And many times we can't give the love out that we need to give because we have not received the love that we need to receive. And a lot of times we can't love the people around us the way we need to love them. We can't forgive them the way we need to forgive them. We can't be patient the way we need to be patient. And we end up acting out in anger and acting out in ways contrary to God's word because of that, because we, ha- we don't have God's love in us. Um, and maybe we, we've all seen the songs at church like, hey, God, you're a good, good father, right? And um, next week's Father's Day, everybody in every church in America is going to be singing that song. And a lot of times we sing those songs and, and, we, and he loves us, right? And I, oh, he loves us. And, but how many of us actually believe that? And how many of us actually live by that? And a lot of times we just sing those things because we think it's the right thing to sing or do those things because it's the right thing to do. But how many of us actually really believe it in our heart and actually walk, that God, walk the way that God really loves you? So it's important for us to let God love you. And you might have the thought that I know he loves me, but he probably loves that person over there more. Or I know he loves me, but I think he would love me more if I did this or if I stopped doing that. But I'm here to tell you that's not true. Me being an earthly father, my son Ezra, y'all know him, right? Of course, y'all seen him running around all the place. Now, I love him a lot. When he was first born, when he first came into to this earth, I loved him. Um, and people were always saying, hey, when, as soon as that, that kid comes out, man, your life's going to change and stuff. And me, I honestly, I didn't feel anything different when he first came out. But I, I loved him. But I love him a hundred times more now than I did when I first saw him when he was born. And same thing with my daughter, Addie. I love them a lot more now that I spend time with them and the way I know them and I'm um, just seeing them grow up and their personalities form. My wife, Trelawney, we got married four years ago. We just celebrated four years this month or last month, May, May 22nd, right? Um, but I love her way more now than I did when we first got married. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to love her way more four years from now than I do now. Because that's how our love works. We, we, our love increases and decreases. But God's love does not work that way. God cannot love you any more or any less than he loves you right now. And we have to experience that kind of love. We, we have to, it's going to, it will change your life when you realize how much he loves you. There's a story I heard a pastor mention before. And uh, in the 1980s, there was this massive earthquake. And um, it was in Armenia, I believe. And instantly, 25,000 people died. 
and a million people lost their homes. And right before that earthquake happened, though, there was this young father, and he was taking his elementary-aged son to school. And he dropped him off at his classroom, and he does what any loving father would do. Hey, I love you, son. I'll, I'll see you. I'll pick you up a little bit later when you get off. And um, so he left him there at school. He took off, not even a mile out. That's when the earthquake hit. And he looks back, and the entire elementary school is flat. And so he would do what any loving father would do and go over there and just get into the car or get out of his car, leave his door open. He ran to the uh, approximate spot that his son's classroom was. And he started moving rocks and digging and digging. And he he was looking for his son. And the people out there were like, hey, there's there's no no use in doing that, man. I mean, it's they're gone. And he didn't listen to them. He kept on digging the rocks and, and removing rocks and metal and, and everything he could think of, just moving it out of the way where his son's classroom was. And uh, 10 hours passed and he was still digging. Nighttime fell and he was still digging. 15 hours passed, 20 hours passed, 24 hours had passed and he was still out there digging, looking for his son. And people were out there seeing him doing that. And Eventually, they realized, hey, maybe this guy's just digging his grief away. And maybe this, this man is, uh, he doesn't want to not live with himself and, and realize that he didn't try. So that's what he's doing. He's trying to look for his son. And he kept digging and kept digging. And on the 36th hour, he heard something down there. And he called some people to come and help him. They moved this huge rock. And under that huge rock was a cavern on the very bottom, and there was 13 students down there, one being his son and one being the teacher. And his son screamed out and cried, Dad, he says, I knew you would come for me. He says, I was telling them that you were going to come for me. And that's just an earthly father. Imagine our heavenly father, how much more he loves us. And uh, imagine, just like the scripture says, if you, if you earthly fathers being evil know how to give good gifts, imagine your heavenly father, how much more he would give you good gifts. Yeah. So we have to realize that God's in our lives and he's, he's removing rocks out of our lives and he's trying to get to our hearts. He's trying to, to make us realize how much he loves us. And he couldn't have done that any more than what he did through Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm going to close out with the scripture. It says Romans 8. 38, it says, and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So my prayer here tonight is that y'all will get this revelation, that God is love and that he loves you. And he wants you to realize that he wants to get to your heart. He wants you to realize that if you come and drink from him, that you'll never thirst for anything else again. You don't have to go to a relationship. You don't have to go to anything else. You don't have to go to possessions or other people. 
his love is enough for you. Are y'all hearing me? And if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes at this moment. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please subscribe. That way you will always be in the know. Also, if you were impacted by the message today, please consider sharing it by clicking the share episode button or even taking a snapshot and sharing it on your social stories. We'll see you next time on the Limitless Podcast.